better. Today I am I'm pretty juiced. We've got my man Nate Rose and David Pierre Saul coming on for the podcast. These dudes are absolutely killing it. What a dynamic duo. They just recently started their own production company together called 12 Bishop Co. Um, and they've been just killing it on their own, as well as collaborating together. You know, Nate Rose, uh, you might have heard of that name before. He's actually an artist on Artlist. He's got a ton of great music on there that you can use and get licensed for your commercial projects. But not only that, David and Nate work hand-in-hand together to shoot the visuals for Nate's songs. Not only that, but Nate and David also work hand-in-hand to direct and DP and work on various other commercial and music video productions. They are an incredible team. They both have a plethora of experience, and I am so excited to get them on the podcast today to share what they've learned throughout their journey um, on teamwork, patience, investing in yourself, battling the highs and lows of, of being a video production company, being a filmmaker, as well as dealing with imposter syndrome and just staying true to who you are and, and so, so much more. So without further ado, let's dive in to this killer episode with Nate and David. Here we go. All right, here we are. Super, super excited. So uh, Nate Rose and David Pierce Saul, you know, can you guys, uh, you know, go ahead and uh, introduce yourselves to our audience here. Tell us a little bit more about yourselves. Give us the origin story. How did you get into this whole crazy life and world of filmmaking? And maybe, uh, you know, we can have Nate if you want to start out for us here. Yeah, so um, I started making music early on in high school, my freshman year, and I grew up in a city that did not have a significant music scene. We had about 30,000 people in the city that I grew up in. It was Cleveland, Tennessee. And, you know, I I was very serious about developing a career in music, and I didn't have the resources available to me, you know, for someone to uh, shoot video or do photography or do Photoshop and those types of things. Um, So I had to develop those skill sets uh, out of necessity in order to build my own career and push that forward. Right. So at the time I was actually doing video beforehand, before making music a little bit, I was making like funny comedy sketches just for fun with my friends. Um, and, but eventually, uh, yeah, it kind of really gotten more into the music video space. Um, so early on in high school, like sophomore, junior year, I started shooting, um, uh, some, some music videos for some clients, um, super, super small stuff, but mainly I developed those skill sets out of a necessity for myself. Um, and then I'm sure we can talk about how David and I met. I'll let him chime in on that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, man. Uh, first of all, thanks for having us on, Kyle. I really appreciate it. Glad to be here. But, uh, dude, it was so like in high school, they had like a broadcast um, station type thing that I was like a news anchor on. Okay. And I'm a pretty introverted person. So like when I uh, was on the station as an anchor, it kind of got me out of like, it kind of opened my eyes to what I think filmmaking can take you not only in like a career basis, but more so uh, on a personality and, and, and like mindset base. And, and after that, I was like, I didn't really have the desire to be like a broadcast anchor or anything like that. Right. But, right. Um, since school was really focused on broadcast uh, because it, you know, it's easier to get a job in that space. But so I often like I just wasn't able to make, 
you know, films with the cameras that they had or do things like that. I had to help the team. So when I graduated, uh, I stopped doing it for a long time um, in high school and then finally start picking it up again and doing like photography at first and then some video in college. Like I was doing like the whole DIY. You know how it goes, bro. When you first yep. start, I was, making, <laughs> I was making DIY rigs with like PVC pipe and like just weird stuff like that in, in my college dorm room. And I had like a, bro, I had a ladder. Like I went to Lowe's and bought a ladder and took it to my college dorm room and built a dolly inside the small dorm room. Luckily my roommate moved out, <laughs> but I had a, I was the only guy, like this guy, the, the campus security stopped me and was like, did I just see this a dude skateboarding with a ladder? Cause the parking lot was, was far away from the dorm. So I had to skateboard to get the ladder up there to the dorm. <laughs> um, but like, yeah, things like that, man. And then one thing led to the other. And then I was like, Oh, introduced to the world of all this other gear. And then, then I realized quickly that, you know, video is, for me personally is much more of a challenge. Uh, and, and, and I think you can really develop a story and really elicit someone's emotions and, and veer them in the way that you want. And so that's when I got really into video. And that's when I moved back to uh, Cleveland where me and Nate are, we already went to high school together and, uh, he was doing his rap thing, always been a rapper since high school. And I was just getting into it, uh, into the video and photography space. And he, um, he called me up and was like, Hey bro, I need, I'm gonna need some, I'm gonna need some videos, but I'm gonna need them for negative monies. Um, no, I'm just playing. He did, he did, he, he offered me a really cool deal where he was like, I shoot videos too. Uh, like what if we just go in this together? And, uh, yeah, that's kind of where we're at today. So kind of every, every other filmmaker's journey, it's like, I was just interested in it. And then right, it just right. grew into one thing yeah, to the me, next. And so were you guys, were you guys, sorry to interrupt, were you guys friends before this or did this kind of bring you guys together as friends? Like, were you just kind of, did you just know who each other were generally in high school or were you guys pretty close beforehand? I, I wouldn't say that we were like super close. We were, we were friends, but you know, in, in high school when you're around, you know, 300 people, you have people that are, you're really close friends and then you have, you know, all different levels of acquaintances in between there. Um, right, so right, yeah, totally. we had hung out on a few occasions and we ran track and cross country together. Um, so we were definitely familiar with each other. In fact, uh, fun fact is I started rapping with his brother. Um, and then, yeah, eventually <laughs> it developed into this. So funny. Uh, I wanted to bring up That's to, uh, a couple more little details to this story. So I went to college for music business at MTSU and I'm a little bit older than David. So, um, I was on Facebook and I kept seeing that David was doing video and, you know, he, he was just continuing to get better. And I was just watching, you know, I saw some of his drone footage. I'm like, Oh yeah, that looks kind of dope actually. And then eventually what really got me interested in what he was doing was that he had a short film that he made, but he like tried to do a premiere. Well, I mean, he did do a premiere um, and he had like a poster for it and everything. So he like went into Photoshop and made a poster for it. And he was trying to get people to like RSVP for the premiere of the short film and things like that. And that was the, the big moment where I was like, okay, like, it seems like he's really serious about doing this. This isn't just somebody who likes to, to film yeah. stuff. Um, and so I had a big show at Southern Mississippi uh, the University of Southern Mississippi with Carrie Hilson, about 6,000 people there is one of the biggest shows that I've ever done. And I wanted some video content of it. So at that time, I, I felt like, hey, man, let's give him a shot and see what he can do. So I was like, yo, you want to come down here and film this? I'll pay you. Um, we knocked that out of the park. And then when we came back, uh, 
I, I hit him up again and was like, yo, I want to do this music video for, for a song called Pantomime. Can we come up with a, a concept? And we came up with a concept for it, shot it. That was the first music video that, that David did um, ever. And then from that point on, I was like, I, I, I really like how we're working together. Um, do, do you want to do this thing, you know, so where we go half and half on music videos or whatever. And, and to give more context into that, when I, when at, during my time in college, um, I was also working on music videos. So I had a lot of good visual content cause I was working with other people and there was, uh, there were a lot of artists and stuff on campus that would hit me up and be like, who does your videos? And I've always edited and directed my own videos. So I would always say me and then I'd be able to get that bag. You know what I mean? Um, and so yeah. I had a, a kind of a high demand. Like I had a lot of people who were coming to me just to figure out who was doing my videos and like, cause they wanted to get one done. And so that's kind of like the value right. that I was trying to bring to David, which is like, yo, you've, you've got the, the camera and the, the, the DP knowledge and stuff. Like I can do the editing um, and we can kind of tackle the directing together. And yeah, so we started doing that for a little bit. And then fast forward to today, we recently just signed the papers to just form a, a new media company called 12 Bishop. And that is basically everything production. So this is three years later. And uh, yeah. Awesome, man. Well, before we, we get into 12 Bishop, because I do want to get down there, but I want to want to touch on these things a little bit more. So uh, I'm going to put you on the spot here a little bit, Nate, okay. but I'm curious, like from 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 a client perspective, like when you guys were first working together and so you got that recap video of the show, how much of it was the quality of David's work that like sold you in, in furthering the relationship and how much of it was the chemistry and and like I guess I guess with that I'm wondering like how important to you is having chemistry yeah. with whoever you're working with on a that project. That is a great question. Um I think it was a combination of both, but I'll say this, there wasn't like there wasn't a ton of chemistry at Southern Miss because I was extremely busy and extremely focused. So it wasn't just him there. I had my DJ, my girlfriend was down there, uh my DJ's family, my family was coming down. I I had to prepare for like the biggest show ever. So honestly, like I don't, David, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't feel like we even talked all that much. It was, it was kind of like, uh, he was down there with a photographer friend of his and you know, so that was, that was an element of it. Um, but then, you know, then he, he, I think at the time he had a Ronin and so, you know, we were getting really kind of smooth yeah. sweeping shots and things that I, that I was liking from that Sony a 6300. Yeah, I know. Yeah. The a 6300. Um, and then, uh, Okay, so to circle back on your question, after that initial one, I reached out to him again, and then on pantomime is where we really got to see, uh, like, like the synergy between us. Um, and because right. that's when we, you know, from the beginning of that developing the concept together, we were just sitting in a room hashing out ideas for a couple hours until we had it essentially shot for shot in our head what we wanted to happen, the entire concept, what it represented. Um, and then we fully executed on that. And so that was really the big moment for me. That was like where I was like, yo, let's uh, let's let's do this. Let's make some money. The chemistry, dude. I'll, yeah, I think I agree with you on the that part. That was like I didn't th think about it like that before. But I think that's a good point is that 
that was really the I think the main t- like time in our in our career together that because I remember we were in the room and there's a, there's a certain part of that uh, music video where Nate Hip tosses one of the actors and uh, Nate was like Nate said something like what if I like hip toss this guy and I was like oh snap that would be hard and then I was like you know what if like there's a door and he walks through it and he's like oh that would be hard and like we just kept writing out all these ideas and for, and it's that process to this day except for like down to the professionalism and figuring out the treatments and things like that. But that process between me and him where it's just like, Oh, this is dope. Let's make it happen. Or, or this is trash has never changed. And I think that's a testament to like outside of the business thing, like me and Nate are best friends and brothers at at heart. Yeah, man. I mean, I I just think, I think chemistry is, is so important. And, uh, I mean, I, I don't want to like knock on knock on wood for you guys, but like I I feel like it's just a matter of time before you're huge. Both of you are huge, you know. I mean, like I look at like past relationships, like for instance, um, you know, uh, Chris Zaro in, in Visionary Group with Logic, or Rex Arrow with um, Ma- uh, Mac Miller, or um, you look at uh, Director X with Drake, mm-hmm. like all these people that like, or, or Jacob Owens with you know Futuristic and, and Super Kyle, or, or uh, yeah. Um, Kyle and I don't know it's just interesting right like you when you when these creators find these relationships and they stick together it's kind of like this idea of I've mentioned it in my podcast before of of like kind of investing in the relationship in each other like rather than looking at things from like a money standpoint or figures it's it's looking at it like an investment and uh, I don't know it's just interesting like I, I find that whenever people can find the right chemistry I feel like it's almost like guaranteed success in a sense um i'm not sure what your guys's thoughts are on all that yeah i oh go ahead David. i mean dude uh well i think for sure uh nate's actually sent me a quote this morning that i thought was uh pretty like pretty on point with with a lot of the things that me and nate been through because i think it's important to make the point that even if in this chemistry of you know between me and nate and other people like that there's a lot of ups and downs. And he sent me a quote this morning. I was like, but life does not ask what we want. It presents us with options. And there's a lot of like times I think in our relationship that bro, it's not been fine and dandy, right? We're, we're best friends and everything, but there's been times where we've argued and <clears throat> there's been times where we've been like on the breaking point of like, Hey, this is done. We're not doing this anymore. And that it's important to like, really, I think, analyze even even in like relationships outside of business and between your personal relationships i think it's important to analyze before making these these giant leaps and uh and, and understanding that like in the past things happened to that led to this point what can i do now to um to then steer it in a different direction or what can i do now to analyze what i did in the past with this person and then sometimes negate that and i think that was what me and me and nate went through which which was we went through all this stuff together. We grew this this business together and we're in a big argument right now. But it's like, hey, bro, like, look at what we've done already. How about we squash this, figure out what caused it, fix it, and then move on. And we've done that like two two times at this point. And I think it's very eye-opening and a good point to make that, you know, you're presented with a lot of options in these relationships. And I think uh, so many people, I hear this story so much where it's like me and so-and-so used to work together. And now, I mean, I just don't really mess with him or her anymore. Yeah, um, and that's sad to hear because it's too it's too frequent. Yeah, man, I, I totally agree with you there. I mean, how much? I mean, it sounds like you already said it pretty much, but how much was or how much has been communication like played a role and factored into 
continuing this relationship and, you know, staying on good terms and, you know, making sure that, you know, everyone's interested, interests are kept in mind with, you know, starting up a business together, creating 12 Bishop. Yeah, I think communication is is super key in any relationship. And that's literally, so what David's referring to, we, we really haven't had any hiccups in the past two years, I would say. Um, early on, we mm-hmm. had some some disagreements that stemmed from miscommunication. Uh, so there were assumptions being made on both right, on both right. parts where we were like assuming motives or why do you want to do it this way? Or like, like uh, I remember one time we had a uh, sort of a disagreement cause we, we were going in on this thing together, but like one person was acting a lot more or like I, I was the person that was acting a lot more as a director on set, you know? And so there's like, I, I mm-hmm. did, it was never communicated to me cause I look, so I didn't, come up in like the industry. So I, I wasn't with, uh, all of the different hierarchy. Like obviously no directors that like the top, but I didn't know that like your position on a a film set is so important. Like I never thought of it like that. And so that was a thing where it was like, I had to have that communicated to me, like where, where David was like, Hey, look, like I want to also be, you know, be directing in this you know i want to like be able to to have kind of that kind of control as well and that those sort of things and those were those were conversations that needed to be had um but that all of it almost all business problems come as a result of of bad communication so initially you set expectations which is what a contract is um usually your operating agreement, you set expectations. And if everybody sticks to them, you're usually good as long as you continue commu- communication. Um, you, you get into problems right, when you right. deviate from the expectations. That's the that's where you get really big problems because then, especially if they're clearly defined, because then you're just, then you're just totally acting out of pocket. Um, and then the second thing is like, if there are things that aren't communicated, then you start to make assumptions. So, and and we've we've had um you know clients we've we've worked with we've got uh people in our circle that you know in the past we have done free work for or or cheap really cheap work for and you know now that we're getting a heavier workload um those are conversations that we 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 started to get a little bit frustrated with uh, what like we can't keep doing it for this cheap with with this guy or like for free like He's got to understand that we've got to, you know, charge more. But we were getting frustrated without having ever had a conversation with him. You know what I mean? So, like, right. what was the expectation? Yeah, yeah. Like, he didn't know any better. So, we're over here getting more frustrated yeah. with him building, like... N- getting mad yeah, at him. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. No so, that, that, was a, uh, that was an example of, like, where I had to step back and be like, yo, dude, like, we, we, can't, we can't do this without like actually just talking to him. There's no reason like he has done nothing wrong because we've always set the expectations. And honestly, we had a very simple conversation with the guy, like super easy conversation. And he was like, Oh yeah, that's no problem. Like that's, that's it. That's all it was. So, um, communication is, is super key. Yeah, man. I think sometimes just being like creators, like we get nervous sometimes, like we always like, being in the service business, we aim to please, right? Like we want to make sure everyone's happy. And like, I think sometimes we just worry, like we're going to tarnish a relationship simply because we're making that ask when, when at the end of the day, like if they really value you and your work as much as you value 
the relationship you guys have, like, why wouldn't they pay, you know, that heavier price if you're going to keep building and growing and providing a better product? Right. Like it makes sense. Right. right? <laughs> Um, so, you know, talking about your individual journeys a bit more, and I guess we can kind of look at it now as well. Like how much of work video wise are you guys doing on your own and how much of it is together? Um, so kind of our process is, it's, it's interesting because I mean, we, since we were doing the music videos at first, that's kind of the only thing we were doing for years. And now that we're formalized together as a business, uh, it's it's like Nate mentioned before, it's full production, whether that be all the way down to a maternity photo shoot or all the way up to a $20,000 music video. You know what I mean? Um, so we do it pretty much all together. There are instances, and this is, I guess, more uh, more on par with like how we operate or op- like the way we you know operate the business. Right. And I think that is... It's, it's interesting just because, you know, if we go, for, say we have like a photo shoot, right? Me, Nate, if Nate has a photo shoot, like there's no reason for me to be there. Or, um, but if we have like a giant production, there's there's reasons for, for me and him to be there plus other people. So we, we've kind of worked out several different ways that we do that based off some, some calculations and things that we do um, to make that happen. And I feel like we have a pretty good, uh, pretty good, kind of way to go about it um now in terms of just like workload it always varies i mean you know how it goes cal with like yep work either sometimes you'll get you know two music videos a month and the next month you're shooting one every two days you know what i mean uh so so i think it, it's it just kind of varies and, and me and nate we, we we have a very back to the chemistry thing we have a very good understanding that whenever a problem like that like a problem of or i guess a uh, something that comes up where it's like, who's working on what we just hop on a phone call or meet up and we talk about it and we figure it out. Right. And we're pretty honest with each other. It's like, Hey, you're doing this. I'm doing this. Cool. We're good. Yeah. I, yeah, man, I'm, um, go I, ahead, I was just going to speak a little bit more in depth about kind of the system that we had, uh, we have in place. If you're interested in hearing about that, please. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, um, one of the big problems bef- so we had many conversations over, over a few months before we formed this LLC because we, I, I wanted to make sure that we were really leaving no stone unturned in terms of setting those expectations like I was talking about. Um, and so one of the big issues I thought we would run into is like, hey, how are we paying ourselves? How are we waiting? Who does what work? Uh, and like, you know what I mean? So if, if David does a DP gig, like I shouldn't get any of that money, but like the business should get some portion of that money, but he's doing the, you know, so it was like a whole thing. And I didn't want to get into a situation where we don't address that. And then we have issues because I feel slighted because he took a, you know, a week trip doing DP gigs and, and kept all the money or like what, what, whatever thing could pop up. You know what I mean? It was just any number of things. So, um, what we actually did is we built a spreadsheet with a sliding scale so if both of us are involved on the project, then there, say we have say we have a fifteen hundred dollar project that comes in, there is a percentage range right uh, that will be left to the business and some that will be left to pay ourselves. Uh, the percentage that we keep gets smaller as the budget gets bigger. So more is like so if we have a hundred thousand dollar video, um, 
we're basically going to maintain 10% of that just to pay ourselves or whatever. Um, but basically it slides in that way. So if we do the video together, then we put, we plug that our, our net figure, whatever we made into the, the spreadsheet, we find out how much goes to us and how much is going back into the business. And then of the portion that goes to us, we split that in two and we deposit that. If David just does the work, then uh, basically he keeps that entire portion that's paid to us. But then whatever goes into the business account, technically we are both entitled to 50% of that, uh, if that makes sense, because we both have 50% equity in the company. So that that's right. a way that it really stays pretty scientific and we don't have to have really any conversations about like, hey, who's getting paid what or like how much is going here or whatever. There's a mathematical formula um, that we have both agreed on beforehand and then we can just abide by that. So I think it's a really good system. Yeah, yeah. Man, I'm just I'm super curious on that because, you know, it's it, it's something I still struggle with right like I, I i have a solid group of guys i bring out in regards to crew for projects every time but you know i've had multiple people i've tried to like start a production company with um here in the area but then we all just get so caught up and busy with client work that comes our way but it might be a client that they're just hiring me to direct so i can't funnel it into our production yep. company or um you know it might be uh like a 1200 dollars budget so like i don't have or we, or they don't have, you know, the budget to allocate money to get everyone paid. Like all that money needs to be put towards the music video budget itself. So yeah, I'm just curious. Um, I'm always interested in how people are, are building teams and kind of formulating that those, I guess, found building out the foundation, you know, before you kind of get to that point, it's, I, I just find it's, you know, it's really challenging in, in such a time where I guess, um, creatives can be so like easily accessed um and you can find someone like there's so many people that are quote unquote jacks of all trades nowadays mm -hmm. you know like you can find one guy who does photo and video and graphic design and all this different stuff and and uh i don't know yeah it's it's just uh it's something i i'm still i'm still trying to figure out you know but uh i i just think teamwork is, is always the way to go if you can bring people together a group and and you know, get someone to specialize in, in their one area, the product is going to come out way, way better. Um, so that's just been like a, a huge focal point for, for me. So now every time, you know, when I do a project, like I'm always directing or DPing and I've got the main people I try to always bring in, like my, my good buddy Herb, I always want to have him as key grip if possible. Um, I, I'm not sure if you guys have something like that, like in your partnership, like David, are you always kind of that DP role? And then you guys kind of share directing, um, like how, how does that work? Do you guys just shuffle things off or do you have specific areas where you guys definitely thrive and specialize in and you kind of stick to your guns, if you will? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. I, so, I mean, for, as far as like what you just mentioned, definitely I usually am in the DP role most every single time. Um, we have yet to shoot anything, me and Nate together at least, uh, where I'm not in the DP role. Um, and, and so we do have like a good group of guys and girls that we like to bring on for our bigger productions. But you know how it is when like you have a $1,200 budget. Sometimes it's just me and Nate and I'm the DP and he's the director. Uh, and we share some of the direction sometimes like we're, we're pretty clear on that uh, because you know how it is from a DP standpoint, you know, trying to focus on the image while also trying to direct can be quite difficult and <laughs> for that's sure. back to just specializing. Uh, 
So we, we, it kind of varies depending on the budget. So for instance, like Nate Rose's last, uh, I don't know why I just called him Nate Rose. Nate. <laughs> Nate, <laughs> Nate Rose. Nate's last, his last video for Egos, we had a much larger crew. We, um, we got our homie Bennett Gaff and people specializing in grip, the grip department. And then we had, you know, some costume stuff like that. Uh, so we, we have some people we hire out, but when it's just me and Nate, I usually fall in the DP row. We share some of the direction and Nate also not only directs, but he does a lot of set deck sometimes. Um, he does a lot. Of, sometimes he'll even do a lot of like, uh, like costume and, and kind of shaping the, shaping the, the artist in that way. And there's a lot, I think that he does that if we were to ever get specialized, it would, it would, uh, relieve a lot of that off his chest and he could focus on what I think he's best at, which is, which is directing. Um, and I could focus on what I feel like I really want to do, which is DPing, but you know, it's, it varies with budget. Right. Right. And, uh, you know, Nate, I'll, I'll direct this question to you first, but David would love to get your, uh, your thoughts as well. So you're starting this production company. And even aside from that, you were doing video work, uh, you know, in the past, still doing it, Nate, like, how do you find the balance between running this production company and, pursuing your music career you know i mean uh, again to any listeners check him out on art list he's got a ton of uh ton of killer jams that's actually how i originally found you which is uh super cool but how, how do you find that balance man like uh how do you make sure you're investing the right amount of time in into your business in order for it to to grow and to scale and continue to create better products and work um but also make sure that you know you're you're happy and you're doing what you want and you're able to pursue your music career as yeah, well. Yeah, 100%. Okay, so there, this is a multi-tiered response, but I think this is a, a really, really good question. Um, so for one, I actually have Nate Rose LLC, which is uh, my first company, which I still own. Uh, that's my artist career. And then also as a DBA under that, I have a music marketing agency called Soundfoil. So I technically operate three different businesses. Uh and then 12 Bishop, right? So the, the, the quick answer is that all three of them leverage each other. So that's, an, that's why I have gravitated towards these areas. So for example, as I become a bigger artist, I get access to more artists in my tier level. Um, so at this point, I have many friends who are in the three to 400,000 monthly listener range. Um, and they know that I do video and therefore that leverages us and, and allows us to potentially do a video for them or get introduced to somebody. Oh, love it. Love it. Right. Then on the video side, we might uh, work with someone in just purely on the video side that I can develop a relationship on the artist side with sometime in the future. Or on the marketing side, I meet somebody, I run a campaign for them or do ad strategy for them or whatever. Um, and then they really love it. We get to talking and eventually they need a music video and I'm like, Hey, we do this or it, you know, it all just kind of works in with each other. Um, the second thing that I've done is I've scaled back all that I offer on the music marketing side. So my primary revenue drivers right now are my artist career and 12 Bishop. Um, the marketing agency was profitable, but it was a lot of work cause we were doing full scale campaigns for artists, release campaigns, that kind of thing. Um, and so I've, right. I've scaled back Soundfoil to be just, uh, there's, there's a playlisting component and there, and I do consultations. So really I'm just in those two areas. Um, and I'm willing to make time for the consultations and stuff as they come across. Cause it's, it's a lot of money per hour. So, um, 
and so I've I've trimmed back. They all leverage each other, and with twelve bishop, now that we're we're both involved, I mean I've got a second person, so that frees up a lot too because I'm fully invested in it, and we're both tackling the same issue. But if I ever ran into a situation uh, where I'm like, "Yo, I really got to get this this thing done for my artist career or whatever," like I know David's got my back, and vice versa with his YouTube channel. If he's like, "Man, I got to crank all these videos out today. I got to get these done. Can you can you send these files over to the the client, etc." So, yeah, three different kind of answers there, but I think that might paint the picture a little bit better. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And uh, David, if you got any thoughts, we'd love to hear them. Yeah, uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, Nate pretty much summarized it. I think uh, one thing that we do is we make sure that we have we're not in the same office, right? We we uh, we work from home, so we have a meeting every single morning at ten thirty. Uh, you know, if we have a, a shoot or something, obviously not, or if we're busy, but for the most part, we have a meeting at 1030. If not that we have it later in the day, but we talk every single day, whether it be through text or phone call. Um, and in those meetings, we're pretty, we're, we try to be pretty effective. Uh, we spend about an hour and we try to knock out everything financially and client based as far as like, what are we doing? We got this treatment done. You got this video sent out. Have you finished a color on this? Have you knocked out the client management sheet on this part? Have you moved it to this is a finished client, things of that nature. Like we're pretty, we're pretty uh, disciplined on ourselves with that. And I think that may help a lot. And there's other aspects that we do that in that I think is important. Like sometimes we'll like recently we had a 12 hour editing sesh where Nate brought his computer Thir up. 13 and like, a half hey, We got to get these videos out. Was it 13 yeah. and a half? Dang. I guess for an hour and a half of that, I was drinking <laughs> coffee or making coffee for Nate since he bullies me. But, um, <laughs> But Dang. yeah, 13 and a half hour editing sesh. We edit, we knocked out like several, or, well, not several, but three videos. Uh, we're not knocked them out, but we knocked out the base edits and, and we threw some color on them. So uh, things like that, man, we're just pretty disciplined on ourselves as far as uh, the time accountability helps a I'm lot envious. too. Because um, when, when it's just you, so this is a problem that I ran into, and I'll touch on this very quickly uh, is when, so. I graduated from college and then I went to be a corporate marketer. So I was a social media director at a national finance company. And then I went to be a digital marketer. I moved to Nashville, became a digital marketer uh, at a tech insurance company. And then I scaled my business from there to just do that full time. And when I went full time, I, I was I was really motivated at first. I was killing it. And eventually I got to the point where I had like 16 hours a day where I'm just by myself, uh, or just, you know, no one, I have no boss. I don't have anything like that. So say I have five hours of work. I was, I was spreading the five hours of work over 16 hours of my day. So I was wasting a lot of time. And also I wasn't around people that were, uh, you know, continuing to motivate me in that sense, because, you know, when I was at a corporate job, I was talking with the VPs and I was setting up meetings and just like, you know, all this different stuff. So, um, I, 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 without that structure, I started to feel a little bit lost and I, I had to start setting that structure for myself. But with, with David, what is really cool is that I'm accountable to him. He's accountable to me. And that keeps us pretty like on track with everything. Like we're not, you know, we don't want to drop the ball for, for the other person and vice versa. So like that just keeps us super tight knit, which is like a big perk of a partnership in comparison to just like a single member LLC. Um, but yeah, just wanted to throw that out there. Yeah, no, I, I love that, man. I'm, I'm like, uh, again, I said it earlier. I'm like envious. Cause 
I've had those 13 hour editing sessions, but you know, like I'm always doing them by myself. <laughs> so like, it, it's gotta be a little helpful, you know, just having someone there, even if they're just like support system. But I love that you guys are, I love that you mentioned you guys are kind of like accountability buddies too. I think that's super important, you know, to have a, a tight knit circle that you're at least in constant communication with, you know, sharing projects, um, asking questions do you guys have something like that aside from yourselves like do you have a circle that you guys communicate with regularly like just asking questions like hey how would you handle this situation with the client or hey what are you doing marketing wise this month you guys have anything like that uh I, I think me i mean me and nate have that together but we also have like you know homies that have a good understanding of uh at least on an artistic side uh, that we'll send videos to. You think this is trash or not? Things like that. I mean, um, I, th- I feel like Nate probably has more homies than me who he talks to on a on a client or business side than I Are do. You, you're referring right? more towards like and, mentorships and stuff. I mean, like, like in a sense, but also I think more at like the peer level is what I was referring gotcha. to. But I think mentors are, you know, I think that's that's important as well. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, like for instance, you know, I've got a. I've got a group that I started, like literally, I, I just started an Instagram group uh, probably like six months ago, like literally just to get connect all the local Orlando filmmakers. And now we have like, I think 30 plus people in there. Um, it's not like we just let necessarily anyone who just picks up a camera in, but you know, it's people who are running successful production companies or there are successful DPs or directors in the area. And so we're able to communicate, share projects or, you know, ask questions or ideas. Um, if a random job comes up that I can't take, you know, I can shuffle it off to someone else in the group. And so we kind of just help each other out. I was, I was just curious if you guys had anything like that up there in uh, Nashville. Yeah. But most of my best friends are, are that for me. Um, so just by virtue of what I enjoy doing, uh, my friends also own businesses and are also really, you know, they they have an entrepreneurial spirit, uh, and so like yeah, I, I you know me and me and David obviously do that, and then I have a, a friend Mowgli the iceberg, and we're always scheming and and plotting on different ways to do things, and hey, how what do you think about this business model, and like I don't think that would work because of this, and uh, I definitely have people like that, and then I you know I have a few trusted ears that I'll go to. Um, that I wouldn't totally consider my peer at this point, you know, people that own companies with, you know, 30, 40 employees. Um, but th- those are the people that I reserve like big questions, uh, for, but, but yeah, I mean, I have that and David, I know you, you talk with, you talk with Bennett and you talk with, uh, you know, a lot of, lot, yeah, McNally yeah, yeah. and that's true. Right on, right on. So uh, another question kind of in tandem with that. What are your thoughts on, uh, you know, making sure to kind of surround yourself with the right people, like-minded people, people that, you know, share interests with the same interests as you and are motivated and driven? Um, I I find it's so, so important to have, um, especially in order to like continue to stay motivated, to continue to, to pump out content, um, to continue to grow. You know, I always found in high school and college, and this is like no knock to my friends, they're still great friends of mine, but they, all the friends I had in, in high school and, and uh, college for the most part, they were just, you know, they were going to business, uh, going to school for business, you know, 
party at night, hang out with friends, which was great and all. But, you know, I was always motivated in pursuing this career for filmmaking. And so I'd find myself like locked in my room like every night to like 10 or 11 p.m. like editing and watching YouTube videos or going out and shooting. But I didn't necessarily ever have anyone to share that experience with. And then when I moved to Orlando, obviously, you know, I was able to build and kind of grow that that community and find that community here. And now I just find that like I'm never not filming pretty much, but I'm never like unmotivated. Like I'm always wanting to get on set or to edit or because I'm like, I'm not only working, but like, it's again, it's something I'm passionate about. I love, and I'm doing it with people that I really like and also thoroughly love and enjoy it. Like how, how has that played a role? And I guess your guys's growth and general career thus far. Yo, that's a, Terrific question, actually, uh, because because that's so I mean, that's so accurate, I think, across all people who are like who are like us um, in, in the sense that they just they're so they're so kind of factuated on the idea of growing something, whether it be, you know, a pottery company. But like, yeah, man, I, I definitely I think I think that's universal. Uh, I think me and I mean, I know me and Nate have talked about it quite often, but there's homies that I love who it's just, man, it just didn't work out because while we're, you know, they're just trying to go chill and eat and go watch a movie or do this and that, or go skate or do something like that, man. I'm like trying to sit here and figure out how, how to use DaVinci Resolve, or I'm trying to figure out how to make this happen in, in after right, effects, right. or how can I get more music video clients? Like what, how do I do this? Like how, you know what I mean? It's, I'm always thinking about that. And, uh, you know what? It, it's not that I, I'm not, like you said, I'm not trying to discredit. I love those guys. I love my friends, but honestly, my best friends like Nate, and other people like Bennett, um, they just, we have that, gen- that similar interest. It's, you know, some people I can't think will interpret it as a, like, a, like you're just kind of obsessed or, or you're just too factuated with your career or something like that. And it's like, no, like as, as much as you're interested in working out or going to skate or, or, you know, doing illustration, I am as I'm interested in, in making art that also makes me money. And if that takes, you know, me filtering my friends and finding like people who are like-minded, then that's just what it is. And those are my best friends. Cause we have similar interests. Yeah, that you know was I mean? my, my entire high school experience was that, which was, you know, me trying to really chase a dream and not having a ton of people that really saw the vision that were around me. And in fact, I drove, uh, some of my friends away because I was really, really like on one all the time. Like I was always pushy and trying to like get people to get motivated and, Hey, just, just dude, just download the program and start making some beats. You got it. Like you could, you know, you could start this, you could start that. Um, and I think that was a, a turnoff for people who are not on go all the time. And th- yeah, that was really yeah. unfortunate because, you know, I, I thought I was just like the only person in the world that like, that like had that kind of like burning passion. Cause I didn't see it anywhere around me at the, at the time. Right. Um, and then, you yeah, know, I man, got, yeah, I got to yeah. college and then I start to meet people who are, uh, who are able to match that. Um, and that was really the thing for me. I was like, oh, this is so great. Cause like, I'm not just by myself. And uh, another thing is having friends who are also doing the same thing. I can sit with David or Mowgli and talk about business for hours and it not like it not get boring to them or, or vice versa. Whereas anybody else, you know, I could sit and talk about business models and oh, what are our finances looking like? Or like, how did you set that up? Or like, how do you know this person? Or like, what's your network? Or like, you know what I'm saying? Those types of things. 
those are just the conversations that I have with these people because that's the stuff that I'm interested in. They also happen to be interested in and it's not a forced thing. So I'm extremely blessed and, and happy to have people like David and, and Mowgli and, uh, you know, sober and all these guys, you know, as a, as a part of my life, because without them, I'm just kind of like the lone ranger again in the small city, trying to, trying to make something happen without any direction. Yeah. Yeah, man, I, I think my like best comparison I think of, and I don't know if it was your guys' first trip, but you guys have gone to LA now, so I think you could speak on it as well. But it's like when I went to college, uh, I was, you know, I was studying screenwriting and producing at Ohio University. I remember everyone was telling me, Oh, like, yeah, you can go to school for that, but you don't want to move to LA. Everyone sucks there. They're like so ignorant and yada yada and like have these terrible personalities. And I'd go to LA and I'd meet I, everyone I met, like I'd have an incredible time with, and I'd like spend hours conversing with. And I feel like the only reason that everyone was saying that about people in LA was because like everyone in LA is so passionate about what they're doing, whether that's pursuing a career in acting or directing or being a key grip, like etc. Like I just feel like everyone that's out there for the most part, like is chasing a dream. And yeah, some of, some people are, I'm sure out there with bad intentions and there's, you know, there's that bad apple every once in a while, but like, I don't know, my experience out there was like, everyone was just so passionate about it. Like it was such a, like amplifying and empowering experience. I'm not sure if you guys had something similar out there. Plus would love to just hear like how everything went out there filming, uh, filming the projects out in LA. Um, Nate, I'll let you take this one because I know your experience is fire. <laughs> well, um, as far as people out there, um, I have a lot of great friends that live out in L.A. Um, but I, I kind of see both sides of the coin because in, in some sense, it has been the, the two times that I've been out there, it's been I've just got myself into the craziest positions. The first time I was out there, I was, ended up in a mansion in Calabasas. I was in a BMW i8. I was in like really nice studios and meeting all these like you know, big influencers. It was like really weird because I had never been there before, but I just, you know, hit up my Instagram connects and was like, yo, I'm going to be here for this day. You want to hang out and introduce me to your circle and whatever. And just things just happened, which is, I think the coolest part about LA. Um, I, and the second time, you know, which we can talk about this is with David. Um, a lot of stuff happened too, but I think, uh, where you get the bad apples or whatever is that you have a bunch of people moving here and it's all for selfish reasons. Um, which, you know, we all are motivated by, you know, selfish desires. Um, that's the reason capitalism works so well. But <laughs> but uh I, I think that you get you got a bunch of people there, especially in the artistry, where they think just because they're in LA, they never they never lived there, you know. So just because they're now in LA, they right, are something. Right. Um, which to me it's the right, the numbers yeah, talk yeah. and the in the and the quality of your art talks and your brand image talks. Like those are the things that I look for. So a lot of people have a chip on their shoulder when they got, you know, 150 or 2000 monthly listeners or something like that. And they're trying to like charge me for a feature. It's like, bro, you just shot yourself in the foot. Like, you know what I mean? Because you, you know, you, you have an inflated sense of ego or like where you're at because you're in, in LA. I think overall Nashville yeah. seems to be like culture wise, a more collaborative place. Um, I think, I think at the top tiers of, of, of Nashville, you probably get into a lot of, a lot more politics, but I think people are pretty collaborative, but I can't dis discount, you know, six million people or whatever in LA. So uh, I I think it's been a great experience. So as far as our experience in LA, um, 
we had a great time. We shot five videos in five days and ended up at two different Oof. mansions. One was in uh, Beverly Hills um, with the Summit Boys, and and um, and then the second one was next door to the TikTok Hype House in Hollywood Hills. Uh, so we we took a couple tours of there. We were at a at a, a mixer event, and then we also yeah shot five videos. So what we went out there for, and we can. I can kick over some of this to David if we want to go there with kind of our business model. But if you're familiar, familiar with lyrical lemonade, their, their model is kind of what we're doing. So we were out there shooting videos exclusively for our channel and we haven't launched our channel yet, but we, we have some plans, um, on what we're going to do with that. I can't give all the secret sauce out, but basically that's what we're, we're doing. (laughs) Um, very cool. Man, that's dope. Um, yeah, so would love to would love to build off that more, you know, and kind of I guess use this as a uh, I guess a little bit of a guide for anyone listening to this that's specifically in, in video production. You know, what was it like making that happen? I mean, five videos out in LA. You guys both don't live there. You haven't been there a ton. Well, let's talk about the importance of pre production planning. Yeah, uh, I mean, as obviously super important. I think uh, if you're if you're at least seasoned and in, in, in the 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 industry for a little bit, you understand how important pre production is. Uh, I know me and Nate both agree it's like the most sometimes the most frustrating part of it, but uh, super important, especially when you're going out to LA and you don't live in LA. Uh, but you know, there's there's things out there like like peer space that kind of ease the process a little bit. Um, you know, of the process of getting permits in certain locations and things, especially when you're working on a, uh, some, when you're working with some money, so you don't have to worry about trying to pull up and getting in trouble. Yeah. Things like that. Uh, the pro like on a, on a day to day basis here, you know, the process is a little bit different than out in LA. I think, uh, me and Nate always take it very serious. Like I take, I, I know I take it very seriously as far as like the treatment goes and Nate's on the same page. Um, so for each of these videos that we shot in LA, we had pretty in-depth treatments on what we wanted to do and the vibe we're trying to create. And one thing we always try to think about is how is this, how does this make the artist look? I know, uh, often for people just getting started and me, obviously, I mean, honestly, in the first, like, uh, last or the last couple of years for me, it's like always been about how can I make a, a great film? Um, and that's just completely not how you should go about music videos. It should be about the artist because first of all, you're that's the film is the artist, right? So it's like we've we've been thinking about that and that's why we spend so much so much time on the treatment and, and developing it in a way that that really benefits the artist and makes them look as cool as possible. And and then a supplement to that would be great cinematography, great lighting and, and great overall movement with the camera right, direction, right. all that good stuff, right? So so that's our biggest thing in pre-production. All the other stuff I think is mumbo jumbo with logistics as far as like what the budget is, how much can we allot here, crafty, uh, you know, actors, all that stuff. Crafty. Um, Yeah, super important, dude. Uh, Crafty, I know, right? (laughs) I love that you mentioned, um, you know, making like how does it make the artist look? Branding. Like I, I think that's so important. I think especially with music videos, a lot of videographers really neglect that. Like they just think solely about making a cool video. Like what effects can we add in? Like what colors should we use? And one of the first things I always ask an artist when you know they're they're coming to me to work on a project is like, what is your goal with this video? Like what what do you want to accomplish? Like what is the purpose behind this? And I think a lot of 
uh, videographers fail to like build out retainer clients or have people come back because like they're just so set on again like you mentioned like selfishly just trying to make what they think is cool rather than mm-hmm. thinking like how can I best benefit this artist and like further their career I can give a quick anecdote yeah director oh. X yeah go I was ahead. just gonna Sorry. give a quick anecdote to that uh David and I had this was pretty early on but we were working on an edit and I remember David was like, this shot looks better here. And I was like, but this shot looks better here. Uh, and and basically, like, he, David was looking at, like, the shot movement and the lighting and things like that, right? And I was looking at the artist's right. performance and what the artist was doing and what made him look the coolest. And so those are, like, th- that was, that was a, a great illustration of, like, the difference. And a lot of times... You, you'll send an edit back to an artist and you'll have a, a shot that you think looks killer, but they don't like the way they look in it. They yeah. hate it. And yeah, so they, bro, yes. Yeah, you got to go remove <laughs> that and then drop in something that is just like not nearly as dope. But if it, if it caters to, to them and their image, then that's important. And, and also I wanted to give some historical context to like what a music video is, because for the people that might be listening and not know um, in the recording industry, music videos were, it's purely they started out purely as a promotional asset so they had a single that came out it ran through radio and they were trying to sell more records and they found out that um if you do this thing called a music video that it sent the the sales skyrocketing right because people got to see you and they got to see a visual that made you feel the song in a different way for better or for worse but um and it it sold more records so that's why it started to develop um and so over time, you know, it, it's it's not really doing as effective of a job as, as selling a video as maybe it did before. But now it's all about the brand. So you only really get that. And then like photos is your visual brand as an artist. Um, and I think that's really important. And the most important part to me about a music video is making sure that you are uh, supporting the song and supporting the artist brand with it. Uh, and so that's kind of where I cross over from like the video side to the artist side is like when I want a video done for me, I want to, I want it to fit the song. I want it to support the song. The, the, the music video is the secondary piece of art to the song is how I look at it. Um, and I want the video to be as great as it can be, but it's not like the, the first thing, like if the video is super dope, but it doesn't fit the vibe of the song, then I feel like it's not a good, it's not an effective music video. And then if it also like if I don't if it's not catering to my brand as an artist, I think that's also, uh, you know, counterproductive in terms of what I'm trying to get out of it as in my artist career. Right, right. Uh, what I'll move move on here and talk a little bit about uh, just overall kind of mindset and generally like just dealing with the things that you're going to deal with as a, as a business owner, as well as a creative. So, um, David, if you want to answer this one first, um, would love to know, what do you think are the most common reasons why people in our industry quit or fail? Uh, so dude, dude, that's, I mean, that's, I mean, you know, it's personal. I think like, I think the most common reason is competition. Uh, there's a lot of competition and timing, I think are, one and one together. I think they really kind of combine if you think about it in that way. So you have like these guys who are, you know, the, with the DSLR revolution, like, you know, back in the days you couldn't get your hands on 
cameras before you got on a huge film set or or you went to a school that had it. Right. That was super expensive. But now you got, you know, T3Is at Best Buy and you can go get them for 300 bucks and make something dope. Right. Um, and that's how you got these kids coming from like high school who are just dope, who are who learn After Effects because they get free access to the software and they they're making all this cool, these cool travel films, which are awesome. And you get these young kids and it's often you often compare yourself to that. And I think a lot of people uh, and, and not even the young kids, but even the guys who are your age who are good or just a little bit older who are great or the girls who are awesome. And it's like you get that a lot. And that's why I wanted to put comparison with timing, because the the fact of the matter is, it's like if you're putting in the work and you're making the best decisions possible and you're surrounding yourself with people who are better than you, the timing will come to you. Um, you know, there's a lot of people that I know, like, for instance, uh, Morgan Freeman, I think he didn't get his first role into his 40s. Right. Same thing with like, uh, uh, what's his name? I forgot. The guy who plays Michael Scott, Steve Corral. He didn't get his first role until the on the, uh, I think it was The Office or one or a movie right before that. Or yeah, yeah, until he was like forty years old. So I think it is it it comparison and timing go hand in hand because it's easy for us to compare ourselves and realize that oh, or sit there and go oh man like I'm not, I'm just not good at this. I don't have the eye or maybe I'm doing all these things, I'm doing all this work, but it's just not suited for me. And I think at a certain point, maybe that conversation might be right for you. But like, uh, for the most part, I think it's people get too caught up in the idea that they're not improving quick enough. I know me personally, I do that all the time. I, I, I look at other people's work. I'm like, hey, this guy's, he has 10 clients every 10, like every month. Right. And it's like, bro, like, what am I doing, bro? I'm reaching out to like, I'm reaching out to clients. I'm improving my cinematography. I'm like thinking about the artist. I'm making dope treatments. I have a, a great experience for the client. Like, what what are we doing? Why aren't we getting clients? And yeah. the fact of the matter is, it's, it's like okay, just reanalyze, switch it up, and keep moving. And then, and then I'll, I'll make this this next part short. And I think it's the other part of it is uh, the work. It's people they like the art, they like the uh, the feeling it you know it has when you make something cool, and then it and then it uh, doesn't do that well. Or, I mean, sorry that it does do well and people like it. They like that feeling. But what happens is they never understand the, uh, the, the like, the, the, the business side of things. Right, and yeah. Like, I'm doing this art. I'm still working a nine-to-five, doing this and that. I have tons of friends who are incredible, who could run circles around me and run circles around me and Nate and who are just, who are just crazy videographers, crazy photographers, but they can't get the, their, you know, their head above water on, on the financial side. And they can't, and I'm like, bro, like, this is what you got to do this and that. And yo, I, I had a, you know, there's this guy I watch on YouTube is, um, I was, uh, his name is Ty. I forgot his YouTube name. Uh, but he, he, he's a business guy, but he's a filmmaker second. And he talked about, he said, he said, yo, nobody can run circles around me business wise. And he says, that's why my photos don't look the best, but I make the most money. Um, yeah. now I don't really necessarily follow that cause I'm very artsy in my mindset and like how I approach it. But I think it's finding a balance between both. And I think that's where a lot of new people who are people who've been in the industry who just fail, they, they lack, they lack the, the, the balance between business and art. Yeah, totally. I, I want to kind of build off of that actually. And, uh, maybe Nate, if you want to take this one, how much is just general patience play, play a role into everything? I mean, like, again, I know you, you were mentioning, like, uh, you know, I think people quitting, like they feel like they're they're failing because none, none of the clients are coming in. You know, at times I felt myself at that place. Um, and I feel like this year is when things like the snowball was building and it was rolling. And then it just like it just started 
it, it hit the hill and now it's just like fucking plummeting for me and the set well that sounds bad that sounds negative <laughs> i mean i mean like it's like <laughs> I, i've never been as busy as ironic as that is with like coronavirus but again like you know it's taken me essentially four and a half almost five years of being here in orlando to get to this point you know three years ago i wasn't shooting seven eight music videos a month i was shooting maybe two Right. And so, I mean, I'm just curious, uh, you know, Nate, like your thoughts and, and David, you can chime in as well. Just how much has patience played a role in your guys's career success thus far? I mean, patience is crucial, but it's not just patience because you can be patient and not be doing anything and you're not going to get anywhere. There's plenty of examples Facts. of that where people uh, have been yeah, making music for 15 years, but you know, have five monthly listeners or whatever, or maybe they're not even on Spotify. Um, so I, I, no, I think patience is really, really crucial because it does take time for your investments to mature, meaning your, the, the things that you've learned and the building blocks over time and the relationships you build and those types of things. Um, it does take that, but you have to be conscious and working and getting better and adapting through the entire period of time. Because if you're not doing that, then that's how you really do you know, that's that's where careers go to die is where you you give up on learning and you give up on adapting and, and meeting new people. Um, and you see that with a lot of uh, a lot of old heads in the industry who are very stuck with like the way that they do things. Uh, and then you've got the new yeah. millennial entrepreneur that comes and sh- shakes things up and it's just a better product altogether because they were they were paying attention to the end consumer and, and instead of just doing what they were used to, because you know, that's what they've been doing for 30 years or whatever. Um, so I think patience is important. There is no shortage of, of ways that people can fail. Um, and I mean, I can name all kinds of them, but I, I think, you know, for some people it's not, it's not waiting long enough, but like, I don't, I don't blame them. If you lose the fight and you lose the spirit and you're trying to, you know, have kids and have a family, maybe, maybe it makes sense for you to just, instead of trying to do the the filmmaker thing, just go take a video job at a, at a company and just do that, you know, so that you can provide for your family. There are other goals that exist outside of, you know, uh, the entrepreneur life. Um, but, right, but, you know, right. I, I think uh, r- real quick, another one uh, that I think is, is one that I wanted to speak to on careers failing is just not being reliable. And, you know, we, we have clients who like, okay, let me, let me back up. I give, I am usually willing when I meet somebody new, let's say I like their work. I want to pay you and I want to pay you to do something for me to see if we have a good working relationship. And if, if I pay you and you tell me, you know, I ask for expectations as far as a turnaround and you tell me, Oh, I can have it to you in three days and it takes you two weeks. That's the last bit of money you get from me, you know? And that, that's just yeah. how it is. But I want to figure that out because some of my best working relationships or things that I initially went into that I was very pleased and very satisfied. Um, and so the, the, the lack of reliability or lack of professionalism on a lot of these people's parts, um, just ends up killing their career. So you might even have a network, but if, if you are, you know, not responding to calls and not making your clients feel like a priority and, and you're, you're showing up late, or you're not prepared with the pre-pro, Man. like all that stuff, that, that is what makes people not want to work with you. And you could have all these things going for you and you could be really, really good. But the talent only goes so far when like you're a, a 
you know, a crap person to work with. Um, so yeah. Man, I feel like that's such a prevalent thing, especially like when it comes to music videos, man. Unfortunately, like there's it just comes with that industry. I feel like there's just constantly, you know, that that issue with with people that just aren't professional. I feel like that's one of the ways, at least I like to think so, um, that, you know, I separate myself from a lot of uh, other directors and DPs in the area is just like I, I treat people much more and I treat the process much more like a business, you know, like I want to have a consultation. I want to have a strategy call. I want, and we have to have a mood board and a treatment and a storyboard. Like I'm not just going to show up and shoot with you for eight hours when we just like have a random location. Like there's no story or guidance. Like we have nothing set in stone. And I think that's just a problem that's often found with uh, the music video industry, unfortunately. Yeah. Artists, a lot of artists don't Um, have, um, business sense, you know, their brain isn't wired that way. I, I, I'm, I think David is probably, we've talked about this before. I think David's probably like 70, 30 creative to business. And I'm like 30, 70 creative to business. So I'm, I'm a more business oriented person in general. Um, and, right, and so right. like we, we've talked about this, one of the things that he's most interested in is like getting the best image. And I'm most interested in, in being able to grow in a way that like, we can explore new things, you know, and it's not that he doesn't want those or vice versa, but it's just like art art. Yeah, bro. Don't put words <laughs> in my mouth. Quit playing. No, I'm just playing. Uh, yeah. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, no, man. I love it. Um, I got a couple more questions for you guys. If you guys yep. got the time. Sweet. Um, so want to know um and uh david maybe you can take this one first what is what is uh, more important to you living a life of significance or a life of success uh dude success for sure um you mean like as far so, sorry actually could you elaborate when you say significance um do you mean as far as like fame or you just saying like you were helpful uh, I, I mean, yeah, I guess not significance in regards to like, oh, you're the most famous person ever, but like living a life of, of significance. So having a life of impact, whether that be, um, you know, helping stop global warming or that's, you know, um, putting out a bunch of YouTube videos that, you know, inspire and empower creatives. Like, is that more important to you or is it more important to you to have, you know, a, a career and a life of success where you're, you know, you are a extremely well-known director and you're doing some of the biggest films in Hollywood. Like what, what matters oh. more to you and, and why? Gotcha. Uh, man, it's, I couldn't say, I couldn't necessarily say one or the other because as, as much as I would love that, I don't necessarily care if I'm, you know, Christopher Nolan. Um, but at the same time, I, I, I mean, me and a friend had a conversation like this the other night where I don't want to make art just to make art and not be viewed by anyone. Um, I, I always hear the thing, I always hear the saying of, I do this for myself and that's it. And, and that's true. I think it's good to have that feeling of like, Hey, I just do this for myself, but I'm not going to lie to myself, bro. I want people to see it. I want people to love it. Yeah, right. For sure. So like, I mean, that's just, that's just the truth of the matter. I want to be respected as an artist, but at the same time, you know, I, I'm content with making art that may get 300 people's eyes on it and they, and they, and they, they enjoy it. And I still, you know, at home, I can, I can, you know, provide for whoever I'm providing for at that time in my life um, and be happy and content with that. I don't necessarily want to be Justin Bieber level fame of, you know, on a filmmaker's standpoint or a filmmaker's perspective rather. And it's, 
I don't, I think uh, success is very important to me financially, I think per se. I think not rat, like being the biggest director isn't my, isn't my main, my main goal, but being, you know, having money that I can live off of and not have to worry about it is very, very important to me. Uh, as well as people viewing my art, and I think there's a good balance in that. You know, Jacob totally. Owens. I know you did an interview with him. I think he's a great, a great example of that, and that's why I love his business model so much and the way he does things. Is because while Jacob Owens, he's not he's not like a director X or nothing. He's not like crazy in the Hollywood scene, but this guy is so business. He has such a good business model. He definitely lives a comfortable life. I'm assuming, oh, yeah. right? And it's like very, you very. Know what I mean? lives a comfortable <laughs> life, and he also has people who really enjoy his art. Yeah, man. I love that. What What are your thoughts, Nate? Uh, I think significance and success have a ton of overlap. Um, and I think that you usually don't get one without the other, because if you're successful, there are going to be people who are watching that, um, that you will be inspiring. And if you're doing something of significance, it, you're likely successful at it. So um, they obviously aren't the same thing, but I think there's so much overlap there. I think that if if I had to have one without the other, uh, I'd probably just have to say success. And the reason I'd say that is because I need to make a living somehow. And so if, if I can do something significant on an art basis, but then have to work a nine to five, I won't be satisfied. But if, if I can, you know, if I'm not really inspiring people, but I can do what I love to do for a living, I'd, I'd choose that. But I think significance in that context is really important to me also. Um, but yeah, I think there's just so much overlap. They're they're so intrinsically intertwined that that uh, it, it's hard for me to just like pick a black and white answer on that. For sure, for sure. Um, so uh, following up with that, you know, would love to know. Uh, maybe you guys can just fire off a couple things here, like any mistakes you made and this can be in like your your partnership or this can be in your individual journeys in regards to video production and just being an entrepreneur any kind of mistakes you made any recommendations you have for our listeners here who might be just starting out in their career on on things not to do or things to make sure to do you know when you're first getting started you got it david (laughs) um sure uh mistakes i think uh Man, that's a that's a very loaded. Uh, I, I, it's hard. I'm trying to narrow it down because I feel like there's a lot of things that I would say. But to play back to what I was saying before, I think if you're a filmmaker specifically, or a photographer, or anyone in the creative field, um, whether that be a painter or anything, I think it's important to focus on the business and not and also find a good a great balance on focusing on the business and improving your skill set. Uh, that's super important. I think for the first you know two or three years of my career, I was solely focused on just becoming a DP and I'm not, I'm not discrediting in that at all. Right. Like that is very important and very integral into what I've, you know, become as far as a, on a creative standpoint. Uh, but I think the, you know, as I start to dig more into the business side of things, I start to see doors open that I've never seen before. And I think that if I would, I always think about it, if I would have done this three years ago, where would I be right now? And things like that. And then uh, just on a, like a day to day basis, I would say uh, you got to eat, you got to eat, breathe and like live this stuff. Like you really do. Um, now, obviously, like you got loved ones, you got people you got to spend time with. But like, yo, there's somebody on. I always think about it. Like, I always I, my my metaphor is that I always envision it like a bull 
it's like there's a bull running and that bull is that kid who just came out of high school who has the same feeling you have except this guy is super dedicated this guy is he 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 sees your clients he wants all of them he sees your he wants he sees your skills he wants to take he wants to be way better than you um and it's not always a competition thing right you build each other up like things like that but like the the fact of the matter is, is there's always someone working harder than you so i think you really got to uh you really got to put you know put your foot down and, and get to get to work uh, i see and the reason i say this cuz i see guys who are who are incredibly uh passionate about it but they sit at home and they just they have great scripts or something like that but they don't make them um and the fact of the matter is the guy even if his his, his the guy or girl even if their screenplay isn't as good as yours but they're making it consistently they're going to start getting some people looking at those and they're going to start getting either clients you know what i mean so I would say just put your foot down and uh, and focus on the business and, and the creative and find a good balance between those two. Right on, right on. Nate, you got anything to follow up with? Yeah, so, I mean, we've talked on a bunch of lessons already um, from professionalism to patience to communication. Um, those are all extremely important. Uh, I think the biggest lesson that I've learned, or at least the one that has, I think, been a huge paradigm shift for me personally is... Um, kind of killing the ego and downstream of killing the ego is trying to add value to other people first. Um, and that, that actually works even in a selfish way because, you know, when you are doing, say you meet somebody and you're trying to think in the framework of how can I help this person out? What does this person need? You're identifying those types of things and you can provide that. Um, you, you, that, deposits a little bit of goodwill into their brain so they they now see you more favorably and we there's a psychological effect that people if 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 someone does a favor for you you feel obligated or that you want to return that favor in some sense and it doesn't always happen um but it, the more you do that the more you put those lines out the the more opportunity you have for some of those things to be returned um and people everybody goes into everybody wants things for themselves but when you can take yourself out of that position and put yourself into the framework of like how can I help this person that I'm talking to I have some level of establishment uh how can I do that that's when you start to really build and and build connections in in a network and um you know you also start to see things come your way opportunities come your way so um yeah that's what I would say is add value first and network and build your relationships in a way where that's your sole focus. You should be seeing how you Hell. can be valuable to that person. Hell yeah. I love that, man. Awesome. Well, well, uh, I got one more question for you guys, but before we get to that, we'd love if you guys could, uh, throw out some, uh, some socials here. Um, where can people follow you guys get in touch? Uh, if they're maybe looking to do a project, want to check out maybe some of that music, uh, go ahead and throw out some socials for us and maybe Nate, you want to go first and, uh, David, you can follow yep. up. Uh, so I am everywhere at Nate Rose music. That's Rose, like a flower, not R O W S. I've had people make that mistake for some reason. Um, Nate Rose music <laughs> everywhere. Yeah. You can reach out to me. Um, pretty much on Instagram. I'm the most active. So if that's what you, where you want to hit me up. Cool. And yeah, you can, Find my, my Instagram at david.pearsall, just basically my first and last name with a dot in the middle. Um, 
but yeah, if you're ever interested in just a project or anything like that, you can email us at 12bishopco at gmail.com. Right on. Hell yeah. And then lastly, guys, we'd love to just know, um, you know, what, what final message, if any, would you like to leave with our listeners here? With great power comes great responsibility. Ooh. Bro, you did okay. not you did not do that on a podcast. <laughs> bro, bro it's it's a great quote. You can't just because right, Spider-Man let me, doesn't let me go negate, pull up, a great quote. I'm gonna go pull up a Vin Diesel quote from the Fast and Furious movies. So I can end mine on such a uh, David, give some real bro, give some real last message. That that is a real that is a real message though. If you ever get powerful enough, <laughs> make sure you're responsible. But anyways, um, yeah, uh, like, like final notes is man. Uh, I hope that if you are interested and you're listening to this podcast and interested in trying to take on a career, whether it be in anything, just have passion and and I personally wish you the best of luck. And uh, we're we're all like a kind of a big com- community, even though it can get down sometimes. So like. Find find people you can confide into and friends and yeah, uh, wish you the best of luck. All right, I would say never stop learning, like ever, like even if you make it, never stop learning because blockbuster is no longer a thing. Uh, I would say add value (laughs) first, like I just mentioned. I would say um, you know put yourself around like minded people uh, that that you can you know kind of look up to. If you are the smartest or most successful person in the room, you're in the wrong room. Um, so keep that in mind, right? You shouldn't be intimidated by being around people who are doing better than you. That should be inspiring and motivating, and and that's that's the framework for where you can learn. Uh, yeah, I mean, th- there, there's a lot to pay attention to in this thing, but you you have to be in business to be in business, and you have to take steps in order to discover the things you wouldn't have known to look out for. So just get started and these things, these lessons will become apparent to you over time as you have these micro failures and, and readjust. So you got this. Right. Uh, don't give up. Be patient. And yeah, stop going up. Hell yeah. Love it, guys. Appreciate the time. I know our listeners did as well. It's been a killer episode of the Creative Room Podcast. And we're signing out.